Yes, flu season is here once again. Let's hope that this time it's better than last year's. Um, we've got uh, alcohol and sexual abuse. Yes, indeed, we are going to talk about Brett Kavanaugh, um, a super badass nurse of the week, um, um, served for this great country that we call America. And... My goodness, first time ever, a story that was suggested via Instagram. I'm excited. I hope y'all are too. Hey, welcome back, you guys. Thank you very much for joining me. My name is Swati Kamayanja, but you can call me Q. And yes, I am Q the nurse. And on this channel, I bring you news, current events, and fun topics for nurses everywhere. Um, every single Friday. So come on back, y'all. But don't go nowhere, because the stories today are super hot fire. Super hot fire, you got that right. I'm starting, oh, before I start, I always forget to tell you guys down in the description box below. Please look at the description box below. There's a whole lot of stories. I know it's a long, um, the nursing news is always a long segment. Um, so if there's a story that you're just itching to get to, please just look at the description box below. You can jump to whatever story you think you want to listen to first, and then you can come back and watch the whole thing through. Um, so starting with the flu season, y'all. The flu season is back, and I'm just going to skip to the end of the story and tell you right in the beginning. Go get your goddamn flu shot. Go get the vaccination. You need it. I need it. The goddamn U.S. of A, the world, needs you to get your vaccination. Stop getting other people sick because last year was a horrific, horrific flu season, and I can tell you that because. So the flu killed 80,000 people this past season the 2017 into 2018 season, and put 900,000 people into the hospital, making it the worst flu season in decades. The Center of Disease Control and Prevention has said this past Thursday. Yes, my friends, 80,000 people died. 80,000, excuse me, 80,000 people died from the flu this past season. We do not, absolutely not want anything close to that happening again. So get your goddamn flu vaccine Please and thank you. Um, the reason I'm telling you guys this story um, so quick into the flu season is obviously because of all of those deaths and all of those hospitalizations from last year, or last season, but also because the Surgeon General is up to here with this flu vaccine BS. He is super upset. He's so blunt, blunt and is like, you know what? We need to get these vaccines and I'm done with these people's bullshit about not getting the vaccine. And I goddamn it, I got, I, I love it. I love that he's taking such a straightforward spearhead approach at this season because he does not want what happened last season um, <clears throat> to happen again. So if you didn't know, Surgeon General Dr. Jerome Adams said those 80,000 people who died from the flu last year, guess what? They got it from someone else and someone gave them the flu. Meaning people are sharing these flu. It's not like it just comes out of the sky and dribbles onto you. No, you get it from someone and then that someone gives it to someone else. One of those unlucky people who didn't get vaccinated. Yes, you will be hospitalized. Yes, you might. There is a chance of you dying from the flu. It's a goddamn scary thing. He continues by saying, because he hears just like you and I as nurses here and healthcare workers here all day, every day. Oh my goodness. I've, I, you know, in the past I've gotten the flu vaccine, but it hasn't helped me. I've gotten the flu vaccine. And I still got the flu. He's like, I, I'm done with that bullshit. He said, the old thing, I got the flu. I, I got the flu shot and I still got the flu. Well, you know what? You didn't die. Didn't 
Mr. Dr. Adams, please and thank you. I mean, that's the bottom line, right? Yes, you get the flu vaccine. The flu vaccine, if you get the flu after you've got, even though you've gotten the flu shot, yes, I know you might be surprised if you're not in healthcare, you might be like, this is bullshit. I thought it was supposed to prevent me from that. Yes, it is supposed to prevent you from getting the flu. It helps in the prevention of getting the flu. And if you do get the flu after you've gotten the shot, it makes that illness a whole lot less um, intense, acute, than what it would be without the vaccine. So the vaccine helps no matter what. If you get the flu or if you don't get the flu, the flu vaccine is what is helping in either situation. <clears throat> Continuing on, the CDC recommends that every single person gets the vaccine if they're six months old or older. If you're six months old, if you have a child that's six months old, they need to get the flu vaccine and everyone from that point till the death, till the day they get buried into the ground needs to get the flu vaccine. And last year was a shitty year. In fact, just 46.8% of, of the public got, got a shot last year. The CDC said in numbers released this past Thursday, vaccinations rates range from 36% in Nevada to 55% in Rhode Island. The CDC said 80%. Yes, 80% of the children who died from the flu last season were not vaccinated. And I am going to leave you on this insane fact that I uh, uh, saw, um, according to the CDC. Um, 180 families, 180 families here in the United States um, put a child in a grave last year because of the vaccine preventable. And so 180 children died from the flu last year and 80% of those 180 um, children did not get the vaccine. So moral of the story, get your goddamn flu vaccine, please, please, and thank you. I am begging you. I am pleading with you. It is important. Um, you're going to keep yourself safe, keep your children safe, keep your family safe. And then on top of all of that, you keep the people around you safe as well. But we're all adults here, right? So let's talk a little bit about alcohol and how it can affect um, us people, us grown-ups, us critically thinking grown-ups. Um, and how that plays a part into violence, into sexual assault, into all of these bad things that happen to human beings. And I only bring up the story today because Brett Kavanaugh and that, that humongous trial that's going on uh, is allowing me to shine a light on this issue. And I'm not going to talk about the details of the of the Brett Kavanaugh trial. I'm going to just use that in, as, as an example to shine a light on the issue at large, alcohol and violence, okay? Um, and that's how I'm going about it. If you want the details of the Brett having a case this is not where you're gonna find it <clears throat> so the research is clear as day crystal clear alcohol plays a major role in sexual assault and violent crimes across America and the world okay this is just a fact the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence estimated that alcohol is a factor in 40% of violent crimes and the Center of Disease Control and Prevention calculated that alcohol is contributed in 47% of homicides the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, NIAAA, have noted conservative estimates of sexual assault prevalence suggest that 25% of American women have experienced sexual assault, including rape. Approximately one half of those cases involve alcohol consumption by the perpetrator, by the victim, or both. Let me just say that again. 25% of, Amer of women in America have been sexually assaulted or raped, or raped. And half of those women, half of those women 
during that sexual assault or rape, alcohol was a factor. Now, let me pause right there before people get mad at me or upset with me. In no way, shape, or form am I saying that alcohol should be used as an excuse. If you drink alcohol, you are making the decision to drink alcohol, and the bad things that follow you drinking alcohol, that is on you, and I'm talking to the men out there. The decisions you make after you drink an entire gallon of 100 pure proof whatever is still your moral judgment and decisions. All of your decisions that you make is a thousand percent your fault, right? You made the decision to drink alcohol knowing that it's going to change the mental status of yourself. And if you fuck up after you drink alcohol, that is on you. With that being said, we have to be honest about this conversation, right? If alcohol is a factor in all of these cases of violence and sexual assault and rape, let's talk about the issue of alcohol being used and how we can prevent or at least reduce the amount of um, uh, violence, sexual assault, whatever, especially when it comes to the use of alcohol. <clears throat> Um, so to speak of going back to Brett Kavanaugh and why this allows us to bring light to the situation And when I go through this you'll be like holy shit Yes, every single one of these situations that he's been accused of alcohol was involved in some way shape or form so <clears throat> Christine Blase Ford said that both she and Kavanaugh had been drinking before he allegedly groped her and tried to undress her while covering her mouth De um, Deborah Ramirez said that Kavanaugh was drunk when he exposed himself to her and pushed his, um, his genitals in her her face. Julie Swetnick said Kavanaugh used alcohol and other drugs to cause women to lose their inhibition so they could be gang raped. Kavanaugh has denied all of these allegations as we know that's why the trial is happening and continuing on it doesn't even end there Kavanaugh himself bragged and continues to brag about the amount of alcohol he uses so Kavanaugh seemingly bragged highlighting and this is in his yearbook right in his high school yearbook heavy drinking by noting that he's the treasurer of the keg city club and proclaiming 100 kegs or bust Right? This is the man of alcohol. All he does is drink alcohol, party, and hooks up with ladies. That's him. That's the man um, Brett Kavanaugh is, and he wants to be in the Supreme Court. I don't know. I'm not voting for Brett Kavanaugh. I wouldn't want him in my Supreme Court, but it, but that's not what we're talking about. All right, That's not what we're talking about. And, and just to repeat myself, and they said it in the report, and this is by Vox, and I think they did a phenomenal job. I just want to repeat myself. Um, these concerns are absolutely legitimate, number one. And number two, alcohol should never ever 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 be used to blame a victim or excuse a perpetrator let's just be clear and I just I don't want to repeat myself you know I mean it that's not what we're talking about we're talking about how alcohol affects human beings and allows them to make these bad decisions right but it doesn't excuse anyone and it's not there to blame anyone so let's make that clear all right done and done after, um, but and, and the reason I say that now is because you have to think about this. As human beings, when we have people drink and we prevent them from driving, we always say, yeah, you were drunk and that's why you got into the accident, right? But that doesn't mean you're not going to get in trouble for getting into an accident. You decide to drink and then get into the car. That's still your decision and you're still going to get in trouble for that. But we all acknowledge the fact that alcohol is a part of drinking and driving. We think that if you weren't drunk, you would have driven home safely. If you were, because you were drunk, you got into the accident. So we can say that same thing when it comes to other forms of violence and, uh, and sexual assault without saying that it, you are excused from uh, the results of whatever happened. All right. Um, <clears throat> so to look at the actual research in the study, 
One of the best reviews um, of the evidence on alcohol and sexual assault comes from 2001. The review explained that alcohol can increase person's chances of being victimized since alcohol can reduce ability to evaluate risk and reduce ability to resist effectively. Yes, um, if you drink alcohol, you the, the chances of you noticing what is a high risk situation and what is not. And yes, we're talking about violent situations. So going up to a stranger's room that you never met before and thinking he's a nice guy, he's an actual dick, that you might, the risk level of your mindset might be lower. But it goes for same same other things, like getting into a car and racing down the highway or jumping off a roof and thinking you're a goddamn wrestler. Whatever the situation is, alcohol, um, uh, just stuns the your mental ability of saying this is high risk i probably shouldn't do this because it's not safe for me you or anyone involved <clears throat> It is important to emphasize, however, that although a woman's alcohol consumption may place her at increased risk of sexual assault, she is in no way responsible for the assault the researchers wrote. And again, everyone is saying this because it's super important because this is what people use today. It, why was she drinking if she didn't want to hook up with anyone? Why did she go? No, that's not. That's not. The researcher said it. Vox has said it. I have said it. it it's let's not let's not go there, please. And thank you. Right. Another study published this week, 2018, right, uh, by researchers at John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health's Center on Alcohol Marketing and Youth, for example, found that access alcohol outlets in Baltimore is linked to more violent crime, including homicides, robbery, and sexual assault. Clear as day. I mean, there's a, there's a correlation between the amount of alcohol that's available or used and the, uh, the homicides, the robbery, sexual assault so on and ho the whole nine the whole and, and the study it continues on and it says as with sexual assault part of the violent crime problem is that alcohol can make people more aggressive charles brands who studied the link between alcohol and violence said a disinhibition theory so it's not so much aggressiveness but that decisions and judgment that would normally be held and checked are suddenly disinhibited under consumption of alcohol all right Con Connected to 88,000 deaths and millions of emergency room visits each year in the U.S., as well as millions more deaths each year worldwide. The only drug that's linked to more death is tobacco, and that is the smoking form, which leads to lung cancer. And this, we are clear as day on. You're saying, Q, all right, we know all of this. I knew all of this. Why are you telling me? What do, you, what do we do now? Okay, what is the next step? And here is what we can do to prevent some, um, um, a lot of this violence from happening. And I think when I read this, I was like, holy Jesus and Lord, we really should be doing this. But I do know some of these things when I say it, you guys are gonna be like, oh my God, that is super insane. Especially if you're not a fan of government, you know, regulations and so forth and so forth. All right, number one, there's a bunch of these, so let's go through them together, all right? Number one, a higher alcohol tax. In two, a 2010 review of the research in the American Journal of Public Health came out with strong findings. Our results suggest that doubling the alcohol tax would reduce alcohol-related mortality by an average of 35%. That alone, just, that is amazing to me. I think that alone is just great, right? 
Um, traffic crash um, deaths by 11%, sexually transmitted diseases by 6%, violence by 2%, and crime by 1.4%. All of that is fantastic. I mean, just the mortality alone, we can save 35% of the accidents that happen just um, due to the reduction of alcohol. I mean, a higher alcohol tax, I think that's an easy one, two, three, right? That's an easy, that's an easy one you can say, I'm all behind. Number two, a minimum price on alcohol. So this is from a 2013 review at the Center for Addiction Research in Canada found that based on data from Canada, a 10% increase in average minimum price would result in the region of an 8% reduction in consumption, um, a 9% reduction in hospital admissions, and a 32% reduction in wholly alcohol-caused deaths. Beautiful. Just alone, those two, the first two in the beginning, a minimum tax, uh, uh, I'm sorry, raise a higher alcohol tax, and number two, a minimum price on alcohol, I think is fabulous, right? Moving on, revoking alcohol offenders' right to drink. I love this. I absolutely love this. And I know I live in Massachusetts, and I have actually known a couple of friends that had to go through this, which is rough. Um, they thought was rough, but I think looking back, um, I mean, it's changed the way they think about alcohol entirely. It's a beautiful thing, right? So South Dakota's 24-7 sobriety program effectively revokes people people's right to drink if, they, if a court deems it necessary after an alcohol-related offense. The program specifically monitors offenders um, through twice-a-day breathalyzer tests or a bracelet that can track blood alcohol level and jails them one or two days for each failed test. Studies from the RAND Corporation have linked the program drops in mortality, DUI arrests, and domestic violence arrests. Beautiful. I think that's fantastic. Just, you know, like the, the bracelet thing I think is super cool. It, it works very similarly to if you know anyone that has a, a insulin pump. It takes your blood, it tests your blood uh, uh, frequently, or you do the two breathalyzer tests daily. Um, and it says you can't drink if you're if you're over the alcohol limit or if the blood test comes back positive you end up going to jail for a day you end up going to jail for two days depending on how often and how much you're drinking i think it's beautiful it's great and on top of just making people drink less that have caused accidents don't being drunk it ended up lowering um dropping mortality that's Amazing. I feel like anytime you can drop mortality rates, is it's a great thing. DUI arrest, fantastic. Huge car accidents. We all know number one accidents, you know, causes how many deaths a year. And do domestic violence arrest. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. I love that. Um, put state, and this is where it gets a little rough for me. Put the state government in charge of selling alcohol. Uh, I mean, I am a democratic socialist, but I feel like this is... Let me at least read it for you guys. A 2014 report from the RAND concluded that when, when state governments monopolize alcohol sales through state-run shops, they can keep prices higher, reduce access to the youth, and reduce all, all overall levels of use. I'm not too hung-ho about this. Um, maybe I think that's going too far. And just being in America, I don't think that's, that's going to be a possibility or a thing that happens. Uh, so those are the four things we can do now to prevent um, alcohol from causing all of these violent um, acts, sexual assault, um, homicides, the, 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 you know, the list goes on, DUIs, all of it, you know, car accidents, the whole nine. I think it's great. I think it's fantastic. I think those ideas, at least the first three, are, are wonderful. I love them. I think we can go ahead and do some of those. Um, but 
like I said, and I'm going to end it on this, alcohol does not excuse any behavior. Alcohol does not, isn't, isn't, uh, you can't use it to blame a victim. If I, if I decide to drink alcohol, you can't blame me, um, if someone decides to take advantage of me while I'm inebriated. That's not how it should work. That's, that's just disgusting, and I know it's a trope that people use constantly for all of these victims when these women come out, um, but it shouldn't be, and I don't want this to be another video pushing that, like, for, I'm not saying that. I am not saying that i'm saying the exact opposite you are if you drink and you do bad things or if you are with someone that is drinking and you take advantage of that person it is you that is the asshole it is you that is fucking up it is you that should full face the full force of the justice system okay but with all of that being said with you guys knowing how i feel on that specific issue Alcohol is and will always be um, a, a factor in all of these violence and accidents and sexual assault uh, and rape and the whole nine. It will be a factor in those things. And the more we can prevent people from abusing or overusing alcohol, um, according to the research and the evidence is clear, we can lower the rate of all of those things. And I think we should go and tackle whatever we can tackle, however we can do it to prevent all of these bad things from happening, I think we should do it. <clears throat> I'm all for it. Please let me know in the comment section below if any of those tactics would work or are you about it or are you against all of it? Do you think this is crazy? Let me know in the comment section below. I would love to know. I would love, love, love to know. Moving on. And this is the second week in a row where I do a nursing tech video. And I think this one is awesome. And last week I talked about the Apple Watch and we're staying with Apple this week. And this week we're talking about an ultrasound that you can use that is plugged into an Apple iPhone and to an iPhone. I think, oh my goodness, Apple, I don't know what y'all doing. I switched over from the Apple because I wasn't excited about this 10s and the 10s Max, but I am loving absolutely loving these um, uh, um, healthcare uh, um, tech um, futuristic things that you guys are doing with the EKG last year and this week um, uh, the ultrasound. So a startup that makes a new iPhone ultrasound device whose chief medical officer used it to diagnose his own cancer just raised over $250 million. The ultrasound, um, so for those who don't know, ultrasounds is basically they can see what's inside of your body. Um, it, I'll show you some pictures around here. It's hard to explain, but it's used in, in literally everything. For you healthcare workers out there, for you nurses out there, you know this, I know this. You send people to an ultrasound for every single disease process in the history of the world and it will help in some ways. It's not definitive. It's not as amazing as the M MRI. Um, it's not as detailed, but it finds out the immediate problem and it allows us to do our job um, much quicker and jump on it, right? But we, at the same time, we also know that ultrasounds are expensive. Ultrasounds, you have to wait for. Ultrasounds are, you have to make an appointment for. A lot of the times, if you're not inpatient, it takes days before you can go get your ultrasound. So there is a barrier, okay? Yes, so ultrasound is the safest and most widely used medical imaging equipment. It is used for medical imaging inside the body and can detect the presence of anything from blood flow to tumors to unborn babies. And you're saying, so cute, tell me about this new device. I'm, I, you're talking about ultrasounds in general, but I wanna know this new toy that I can plug into my thing and I can check my own heartbeat, my own carotid artery level. I can check my own, I can find the tumor 
more, right? It's exciting stuff. So let me tell you. So the new device is named Butterfly IQ. I love that name. I think it's fabulous. It was inspired by this gentleman, Mr. Rothberg, and it was in a personal experience. And he was like, you know what? Instead of waiting for the world or some, you know, engineer to come by here and build something, I'm going to do this by myself. And he did it in kind of a need because of his child situation. So uh, it was inspired by Rothberg's own personal experience. Uh, um, his, his daughter was born with a disease called tubular sclerosis, which creates tiny tumors all over the body. The, tr the treatment procedure for this requires the use of high-frequency ultrasounds and MRI imaging um, quite frequently, obviously. So if you're getting these tumors in your body and you need to figure out where they are before you can do anything to it, if you need to do chemo, if you need to do surgery, if you need radiation, whatever, you need to first figure out where it is, how big it is, whatever. And that is, in fact, why you would need an ultrasound or an MRI. So he was like, I kept on waiting. It was taking too long. Every week I'm going to the hospital waiting three hours to go into the imaging. I'd look at my... Um, medical bills afterwards and be $10,000, $5,000, $8,000 every time I would get a test done. It is scary. It is wrong. It was the worst. He hated the whole process. So he was like, you know what? I'm going to take this in my own hands and I am going to make um, a, a portable, much cheaper, wonderful um, <clears throat> um, um, ultrasound device. Because of all of the imaging that his daughter needed, his bills would always be through the roof. Sending someone to an MRI ultrasound every week ain't cheap. So, uh, and like I said, uh, and they, they've been using ultrasound since the 1950s, but the cost is insane. But what does this cost? What does the new Butterfly IQ cost? It costs um, just only $2,000. $2,000. So the next immediate question any human being would ask you, like, whoa, that's super cool. So, but, but Q, it's on the iPhone, number one, and number two, it's only $2,000. This might not work as great as the ultrasounds in the hospital, right? Um, so obviously, so the device is not meant to completely phase out all of ultrasounds. Um, um, but, but hear this, hear me out. As far as image resolution goes, the team said that in side-by-side -side comparisons with 60 to $80,000 ultrasound machines in the market right now, the difference is indiscernible. You cannot tell with the human eyeballs the difference between the ultrasound pics that they're getting from this iPhone, new tech, the, um, this Butterfly IQ, compared to sixty dollars to $80,000 ultrasound machines. It's not going to phase out MRIs. MRIs, that's a whole different level. We're not even going to compare because that's that's something else, right? Um, but ultrasound, compared to sixty dollars to $80,000 ultrasound machines that are in hospitals right the um, second, that are on the market right now, that are getting sold to hospitals, it is indiscernible between the iPhone ultrasound and those ultrasounds. I think it's beautiful. Um, and just a fun fact to end this. In fact, last year, Martin, Dr. Martin, who was the chief officer, um, used the device to diagnose his own cancer. So he's not just putting it out there saying, I'm going to make a quick buck. And this Dr. Martin's not even the one who made the device, but he's championing it because he thinks it's wonderful. And I agree with him. I think it's a great thing to do. Um, he's not just throwing it out there because he gets a, you know, a kickback. He diagnosed his own cancer, his own life. He diagnosed it using this ultrasound machine, um, the, the Butterfly IQ. Wonderful. I think this is fantabulous fantabulous when technology moves healthcare forward i think it's always a win win win
So moving on to my favorite segment of the week, every single week is Nurse of the Week. <clears throat> and this Nurse of the Week is a trooper, he's a fighter, he's a true inspiration to just not nurses, not army vets, not uh, just to every human being on the planet. I think his story is fantastic, it's sad, it's horrific, but obviously it has a good ending. He's the Nurse of the Week and I love him for it. <clears throat> so Jonathan Hag is the the nurse of the week. <clears throat> Jonathan Hag, he's from um, Tennessee, um, a town called Rockwood, and he entered the Air Force in the 1990s as soon as he graduated high school. What happened when he was in the Air Force? One day Jonathan was coming off of a ladder. He fell off going from one of the planes. He broke his leg, shattered his leg, his his leg. He went into surgery, and they had to, in fact, they had to realign almost every single bone in his foot. But after the procedure, this is where shit goes downhill, and it goes downhill real quick. So, after the procedure, he came out and he was in a shit ton of pain. And not post-op pain, oh my goodness, my, you know, my, my foot hurts, please give me some more. This is post-op pain that is just uncontrollable, unrelievable. There was nothing that was working. And it was a rare um, disorder called Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, um, uh, or CRPS. And it is not common at all, but it's a tough one. It's a scary diagnosis. Um, it is pain that can manifest into physical changes, typically affects the limbs, and can spread to the unaffected limbs over time if it goes untreated. So six years from the initial injury, the insult had spread up to his left leg and over to his oh, from his left leg over to his right leg. Shortly after, his legs began to swell up, accumulating more than 160 pounds of fluid. Oh my God, talk about edema, talk about swollen legs. This is insanity. I mean, you see these pictures. It is crazy. Yes, so he was obviously wheelchair bound. 160 pounds of fluid alone in his legs. This is out of this world. I've never even seen something like this. Jonathan spent 12 years in a wheelchair, a whole decade of the time managing low extremities that were hyper swollen and agonizingly painful. He had every method of pain control imaginable given to him. He had fentanyl pumps, he had spinal cord stimulators, the whole array, every kind of pain med, narcotic, whatever, hallucinogen, all of it. He's they they tried everything and nothing would work. It was the worst of the worst of the worst. But thankfully, there is an end to the horror, right? In 2010, the VA hospital in San Antonio opened a ketamine coma clinic in which Jonathan attended for several days. And yes, that's it, it is exactly what it sounds like. They put you in a coma and they pump you with ketamine. That's what they do to you in this clinic, okay? It's an, they obviously opened the clinic because there's evidence behind it that proven that it works and it worked for Jonathan. And thankfully, thank God it worked for Jonathan. Okay. Um, so the results were amazing. As the pain was controlled, the swelling decreased immensely to the point where Jonathan was left with an access of 20 pounds of skin on his thighs. He had this access skin removed and months later had a bilateral knee replacement on the same day. Talk about a trooper. I mean, the, the, the amount of stress and just strain that this man went through is insanity, right? Um, and he has both knees replaced. He's like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm looking behind it. Let's get over with it. Let's get it done and done, right? So he did it. 
And that's where he becomes the nurse of the week. Yes, this is where he becomes the nurse of the week. So despite the gruesome, so despite all of this, the craziness, the pain, the horror, all of it, spending all of this time in healthcare and in hospitals, he sees the people that's taking care of him. He sees the doctors. He sees the nurses. And uh, side note, prior to him becoming, prior to this entire process, doing this entire thing, even while he had his leg issue, throughout those 12 years he was thinking about going into med school but because of the issue he couldn't do anything he was in too much pain he was going to the hospital way too often right after all of this after him deciding that he did not want to go into med school because he couldn't do it um being in the hospital all those years he saw what the nurses did for him and how the nurses treated him and he said you know what I want to be like her. I want to be like him. I want to do what these nurses are doing for me, for other people, right? So just there alone just makes my heart sing, right? When I hear stories like this, I'm like, oh my God. I mean, just to, 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 to say thank you is, I love it. I love the acknowledgement. I'll take it every single day, all day. I can live off of that acknowledgement. But when someone says, I like so much what you do, I want to do the same for other people, there is no better compliment in the universe. There is just none, right? So i thankful, thankful. And just the, the, the cherry on top of this story. After graduation, when he was done um, um, nursing school, Jonathan began working in the ICU. After about 10 months, he was approached by one of the physicians who knew him from the pain management um, program. He was invited to open a ketamine clinic himself. Uh, not by himself, but with the doctor, open a ketamine clinic, which he did. Um, but he's back to working bedside nursing at guess where nowhere else but go Q, go Q. yes he's back at a telemetry floor i think it's fabulous i work at a telly floor i know why it's so special because it just is it just is what can i say the heart is a special place it's a special part of us human beings jonathan hack i think you're an amazing absolutely phenomenal human being thank you for what you are doing today giving back to the population to people who are going through issues similar to literally to you that's number one number two you served our country and you fought bravely so much so that you got yourself into the situation while serving our country and then last but not least you opened up you helped open up a ketamine clinic um that literally cured the disease that put you through hell for over 10 years you are by far like the most amazing heart like you know mentally strong human nurse human being i have um had on um, nurse of the week thank you Thank you, thank you, kid. Thank you enough. Um, I can only hope to be as strong as you um, moving forward as a nurse. So how do you move on to a story after you had the story of Jonathan Hag? And it's hard to do because that is a phenomenal story. And I just, I love it. I love it. But there's only one way to do it. And I know how to do it. And that, my friends, is to talk about diarrhea. <laughs> no disrespect. No disrespect at all. I, I, I'm actually super excited for this um, this segment because it's a new segment, and the reason I like the segment is because it, it is the epitome of what I want when I make all these videos. It is interaction, and I'm making this video because of interaction, right? Um, on my Instagram story, because I didn't know I had I did not have enough stories for this week. Um, I just put out. I straight up just asked y'all. Which, by the way, follow me on Instagram if you'd want to be a part of the next week's Instagram suggestion story. Um, I just asked y'all, what do you guys want me to make a story about? What do you guys want me to talk about in nursing news? Send me some ideas and I might pick one and just do one because I had no clue. 
and I got this question. And it's a simple one. It's an easy one. Thank you, Ashley. If you don't know who Ashley is, I'm going to have an Instagram thing right here so you can click it somewhere here. Somewhere on the screen, you'll see her Instagram username and handle. And in the description box below, you'll see get a link. Please click it. Go follow her. Go check out her stuff. She's awesome. Um, that's number one. Number two, she asked the simple question, what are the side effects of K-Exalate? I love this question because it's super simple. It's educational. It's what I do. And it's why I do what I do. So shout out to Ashley. Go follow her. She's awesome. And let's get to the goddamn question. So what are the side effects of K-Exalate? Before we jump to the end and say what the side effects are, let's go through the steps, the process, the, the steps that you need to get to before you even answer the question. So what in the world is K-Exalate? K-Exalate, and I'm going to say the other name. I'm sorry if I messed this up. I got all this information from the FDA, so it is approved. Okay, so the other name for K-Exalate is sodium polystyrene sulfonate. Sorry if I messed that pronunciation up. I apologize. <clears throat> and what is it used for? It is used to treat hyperkalemia. Hyperkalemia, meaning you have way too much um, potassium in your body. And how does it do that? The mechanism of action. I know there's a couple of steps you got to take before you get to the side effects, but it's important to know what it's used for and what it is before you talk about side effects. Because if I just tell you what the side effects for are, it's and it just makes it easier. Just let me get through, and you'll. I promise it'll make sense. So, um, how does it do what it does, or in other words, what is its mechanism of action? Um, <clears throat> It is. So K-exalate increases fecal potassium excretion through binding of potassium in the lumen of the gastrointestinal tract after administration by enema. Or you can drink K-exalate. It's given orally all the time. The sodium ions are partially released and are replaced by potassium ions. This action occurs primarily in the large intestine, which excretes potassium ions to a greater degree than does the small intestine. The efficiency of this process is limited and unpredictable. So right there, it sounds like a lot. It sounds confusing. Sounds super confusing. I know of all these big words, but let me explain to you in the most simple way I know how. So in your gut, where your body holds a lot of its potassium. Um, the K-exalate goes down, especially in the large intestines, because that's where it happens more so than the small intestine. The K-exalate uh, switches the sodium for the potassium. It trades it. It says, you can take the sodium, I will hang on to the potassium. And when the, when the K-exalate takes the potassium and gives um, sodium instead, it goes through the intestines and you poop it out. You, you poop it out. You poop out a whole lot of potassium. That's as clear, as simple of an understanding as you need for to understand the side effects for um, for K-exalate. <clears throat> so uh, almost there, I promise. So what are the contraindications? What, in what kind of situation do you not want to give K-exalate? Number one and most common, right? So it's used for hyperkalemia to get rid of the potassium. So you would never, ever, ever want to use K-exalate when someone has a super low potassium, right? Uh, we all know that potassium affects the heart directly, so you always want to keep potassium in its normal range. So if you already have someone that has a low or is has just lower of a potassium, try to stay away from the K-exalate. <clears throat> um, and, and then um, uh, because the way it gets rid of the K-exalate is via bowel movements, if someone is not able to move their bowel or has a bowel obstruction, this is not the med to go to. So finally, the adverse or um, the adverse reactions or the side effects of K-exalate. <clears throat>
So we already know that it gets rid of the potassium. So the number one and the most obvious one that you should know, and I love this because this is my this is my normal thinking when it comes to 99.9% .9 of medications, is if a medication is used to do something or cause something to happen, too much of that medication is going to be a side effect. So the number one side effect of K-exalate is hypokalemia. And the, because hypokalemia, because K-exalate gets rid of it via stool, it's hard to measure how much K-exalate, how much potassium is coming out of you, right? So that's why in the description of what the med does and how it does it, it says that uh, the process is uh, the amount that is excreted when given K-exalate is hard to test. So you always want, um, after you know you have too much potassium, you get K-exalate, you always want, you want to get your blood work done to see what the next uh, potassium is before you give more, right? Another side effect, another huge side effect is too much sodium in the body or hyper hypernatremia and that is not obvious but that is again why I started out by telling you the uh, mechanism of action because when K-exalate is excreting all of the potassium in your large intestine it is replacing it with sodium so if you give too much um, um, K-exalate it is going to continue to replace even if it is taking out the potassium because you need to get rid of it it is going to continue to replace that potassium with sodium and your sodium might go skyrocketing. Number three, hypovolemia. If you, everyone knows if you have diarrhea, hypovolemia is just not enough blood flow in your body. You're losing too much fluid in your body. Uh, that's another side effect. Um, and then uh, diarrhea, obviously, it's causing you to move your bowels. Diarrhea is a huge side effect. And then like every other med in the history of every med ever, you know, nausea, vomiting, constipation. Um, so those are the main, the main side effects that you should be worried about, Ashley. Thank you for asking the question. Is number one, hypokalemia. Number two, too little potassium in the body because it's doing its job too well. Um, hypernatremia, too much sodium in the body because it's doing its job too well. And then number three, um, hypovolemia, not enough fluid in the body because you have diarrhea and you're pooping everything out. Again, because it's doing its job too well. Those are the three major, major side effects you want to look for. And then obviously diarrhea, but we are expecting them to poop. Um, but excessive diarrhea will cause all of those top three um, to be an issue. And then last but not least, the nausea, the vomiting, and the hypersensitivity to the drug, if that's a thing. And if someone has hypersensitivity to the drug, don't give it, find another way to um, get rid of the potassium. Um, Ashley, I can't thank you enough for asking the question. And for those out there, um, for future reference, I do my nursing news every Friday. So I, I already put in my um, automatic reminders every Thursday post on Instagram story. What do you guys want me to cover in the nursing news moving forward and I will continue to do that and if I don't or if I don't if you don't see the post on Thursday or even if it's Friday and you're like oh my god nursing news is coming out and I want to know about x y or z send me a po a, a dm a message whatever let me know I would love to cover the stories that you guys are interested in and I'm I'm, I'm very thankful that Ashley um actually asked us a question thank you guys so much for watching I really do appreciate this if you guys were informed or educated in any way shape or form by these stories um please hit that like button if you liked my presentation of the news I really suggest you subscribe and hit the notification bell so you know every time Q the nurse drops some hot fresh press news. Thank you. Catch you next week. Deuces.